Good morning, church. I hope you're all doing well. We're back to live streaming this weekend. Um, and I thought it was quite interesting, I was just speaking to some of the team here, uh, that the first time we went back to live streaming, I was also up here on, on that weekend. Uh, and so it's really an honor to share the Word of God with you. It's, it's not pre-recorded, so it's hot off the press, right? Uh, but nevertheless, whether live streaming or pre-recorded or even physical services, we totally believe that God will continue to speak and that the Holy Spirit will continue to work in our hearts. Church, shall we pray? Father, we thank you. We thank you that no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, you are timeless. You are a timeless and unchanging God. You're always steady, always reliable, always trustworthy, never fickle, but always doing your good work in each and every one of our lives in the way that you see fit. Today, we commit ourselves to you. May you continue to do that work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, it's the end of the year. Some of you looking back when you're talking with your friends, you go, huh, that's it already. Uh. That's the end. Uh. 2020 is over already, right? Um, for some of you, it's really an unforgettable year, right? It's, it's going to etch a memory in your minds. Every time you think of 2020, it's going to be this one unforgettable year, not necessarily because of the good things, but it will definitely be unforgettable, right? It's, it's the kind where, you know, I'm going to tell my kids next time, you know, Back in 2020, or back before 2020, when you know we heard of this vision 2020, right? Wawasan duaplo duaplo, and we had to sing songs la, or draw pictures of what 2020 would look like. And and here's what a lot of people drew. And I, I know some of you who have drawn pictures when you were in primary school. You drew this: flying cars. I drew flying cars. I mean, what, they don't look like flying myvs. They just look like flying cars la, Whatever the cars looked like back then. But um, flying cars and. And then I'll tell my kids, you know, in 2020, nothing flew except the virus. Even planes were grounded, right? That's going to be an unforgettable 2020 for me. For some of you, it's forgettable. And I can understand that. It's, it's not been a, a great year. It's not been an amazing year. It's not been a year that has, uh, has, has really been very wonderful or whatever it is. And some of you, for, it's so forgettable, you'd rather not wish this year had existed. Right, you celebrate your birthday, you go, how old are you? And you use last year's age, right? just because you know you're in defiance of this year. But whatever it is, church, as I look back at this year and I think about it, I, I ask myself this question, and, and this is the reason why I ask it in hindsight, because I've seen us through this year. I've seen whether we've done the right things or the wrong things or, or what could we have done. Right, we're asking our ourselves as believers, we're asking ourselves as a family, as a church. Um, if our calling is to be a light in the darkness, if our calling is to be a blessing and, a, and to leave a lasting impact in our world today, especially in the midst of all that this world is going through, how do we do it? How do we leave a lasting impact? I mean, I don't want to be the person who talks to other people and, and when you ask them about 2020 and everything is doom and gloom and, and the church doesn't shine and our lives don't shine. The impact that, that we had in the year 2020 for the people around us was non-existent. I wanted to ask myself, God, we've gone through this, yes, and there's nothing we can change from the past, but how do we do this in the years to come? Because what happened in 2020 is not the only time it's ever going to happen. 
we know that history tells us, or, or the Bible tells us that in history, we will see these things take place even more. We will all go through trials and temptations and difficulties, and our call is to leave a lasting impact. And so I said, God, 2020 was an eye-opener for me. And if we are going to leave a lasting impact in the years to come for the people who come our way, how do we do this? They're going through difficulties, and we're not, and here's the thing, we're not immune from these difficulties. I know many of us have gone through financial difficulties or even as we were praying for uh, these four people just now, illnesses and, and physical problems and, and family issues, all of that, we're not immune from these things. We're not people up there in some uh, mountain monastery totally absorbed from the issues of this world. No, we're right in it. And that's where God wants us to be. So how do we then leave a lasting impact in our communities and in, in the world that we live in? And over this past month or so, I've been, I've, part of uh, my own reading of, uh, was of the book of James, right? I know we've, going through, we've gone through Haggai and Nehemiah and Zechariah this year, but what, what, what I was looking at also was this book of James over the past month, and the context is slightly different, you know, the things that we've studied uh, throughout the year is, is the, the Jews, the Israelites, all coming back to this one location, reigniting their faith, you know, we're talking about rebuilding the temple, putting your focus back on who God is and, and, and how God has restored them as a community, as, as a nation. But what you see in James is believers, Jewish believers who have, who have reignited their faith because of who Jesus is and what He's done in their lives. Their faith, is, their faith is reignited. The only thing is this, they're not all together in one place. They're dispersed. They're, they're what we call the diaspora. They, they were dispersed because of persecution. They were dispersed because of what was taking place in the Roman Empire. And they were all over the place. And here James, who was the leader of the church at the time, and incidentally uh, understood to be Jesus' brother, was writing a message, a letter, to all these people whose faith reignited, powerful. They're going out there sharing the gospel and, and living out their lives, but they're also going through trials and temptations and difficulties. And James was writing to them, and saying and uh, giving them encouragement and words of wisdom. You know, look at James, and uh, there are some commentators who say that James is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. I really encourage you to read it, actually. It's, it's full of wisdom. It's full of wise words, wise sayings, things that we can learn to live out by. And, and it talks a lot um, uh, about all the things that we do to go through our difficulties. But today, I, I just want to share this message more like a, a meditation, uh, something that I've just been trying to mull over and, and, and meditate and reflect on from this passage uh, in James chapter 1, verse 2 to 18. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 18. And so, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, whether it's physical or, or digital, turn with me to James chapter 1. Turn with me to James chapter 1. Uh, I encourage you to read the whole thing, but for now, we look at James chapter 1, verse 2 to 18. I'm going to read from the ESV. And I uh, will just encourage you to follow along with me. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall, if flower falls and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast, and the word steadfast now shows up again, under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He tempts, He Himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then when desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. Amen. You know, the first thing that comes out very strongly at the heart of this passage, I see start from the start and the end of this particular passage, is a description of God. And I believe that is very foundational. That is very foundational for our understanding of this entire passage. And so we're going to look at that first. We're going to look at that first and then look at how we live our lives or how do we learn to live a lasting impact in the midst of all that we're going through. You know, James describes God as three things. The Father of lights, who does not change and who gives every good and perfect gift. The Father of lights, who does not change and who gives every good and perfect gift. You know, I like how James is specific about these descriptions. You know, of all the many things, he chose three, three things to describe God. And here's why. There's obviously a purpose. He considers God the Father of lights, the Father of lights, the, the creator of the heavenly lights, the, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Those were created by him. But those lights, those lights would change in brightness. Those lights would cause shifting shadows. But when God is concerned, the one who created those smaller lights, He doesn't change. He is radiant. He is full of brightness. There is no darkness in Him. There is no way you can stand in a position and then cause a shadow with God. Because He is light. God is the Father of lights. What does that mean for us? It means this. As far as James is concerned, he's saying God is trustworthy. He is reliable. He is unchanging. He is timeless. Even when we are not, our circumstances are not. That's who God is. Friends, that's who God is for each and every one of us. Because our situations and our happiness and our emotions all fluctuate. But as far as God is concerned, God is a trustworthy, reliable, timeless, unchanging God. And that's why we can stand on the promises of God. Secondly, He gives us every good and perfect gift, which means this, God doesn't play games with you. He is not nasty. You know, when we, we can ourselves be sneaky or cheeky or play games with people and, and, and sometimes be nasty with people, but God isn't and God doesn't. So here's this, 
trustworthy, reliable, unchanging, timeless God who gives us every good and perfect gift. Question is, why? Why does He do this for us? I mean, that may be His nature, but why? Why us? Why give us every good and perfect gift? Because He desires that we be perfect, complete, not lacking in anything. And James says that we were brought forth by God's will and desire. And brought forth is, is the picture of birth, right? We were birthed as a new creation through the word of truth, through Jesus Christ, so that we should become a kind of first fruits of his creation. Now, this is very interesting because this is what the Father longs to see in us, that we become the perfection, the crowning glory of his creation. This is not a quest to... Um, create a special genetic race of perfectly sculpted people with, you know, special mental cap capacity and capabilities. No. This is God working in our hearts so that we create, we create a humanity of people who carry the image of God wherever we go. To carry the image of God on earth. So He bore, bore us forth. He brought us forth through Jesus Christ so that we become that humanity that carries the image of God on earth. That's his heart. That's his desire. That was always his desire since creation. And that's what he's doing in our lives today. And so the objective of all that we go through, whether it's trials and temptations and difficulties or even those high moments, all of that is God working through us throughout the entire journey, molding us into perfection, molding us to carry the image of God. And that's why He gives us every good and perfect gift, because He wants us to get there. He wants us to get there. What has God given us? And this is what I call His input, right? We, we often look at the word input and go, okay, what shall I now input into my eyes? What shall I see? What shall I hear? What shall I read? And, and we obviously tell, tell you, you know, listen to God and hear God and, 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 and read the Word of God, and that's your input, your main input. Uh, but today, when I talk about input today, I, I just want to look at the things that God has given us. What has He put into us? What has He granted us so that we begin to live out the lives that leave a lasting impact in the communities we are in? What has God granted us? And the first one that James talks about, I think is really, really amazing, is wisdom. Wisdom. This is a really amazing gift because not just is wisdom itself amazing, but it is because God gives it to us generously. Say this word after me, generously, right? For, for, for many of you, 2020 was not one of those years when you could be generous. And so generously would come, at least for me, as a very powerful word. God gives generously. It's like, you know that image of people who throw money out? Right? This is wisdom, 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 wisdom. God gives it generously to all of us. And, and not just generously, without reproach. In some of your versions, you would see the phrase, without finding fault. That means that God's gift of wisdom is a gift of grace. Which means that despite what you've done, God is happy and generous to bless you with wisdom. It almost sounds a bit scandalous, right? Would God give wisdom to an evil man? But here's the thing. Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, it tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so if you put two and two together, here's what it will look like. 
God can generously give you wisdom and understanding. But if you have not been keeping the fear of the Lord, you would not have been able to discern it. You would not have been able to discern it. Example, take our prophet come civil servant extraordinaire, Daniel, right? A man who really had his heart following God and keeping the fear of the Lord, even though he served with three massively powerful, influential pagan kings. And as far as he was concerned, if the wisdom and understanding that God gave him may sound ridiculous, he would obey, he would follow, because he kept the fear of the Lord. At his foundation, he feared the Lord above all else. So God, friend, friends, God will give. God will give you wisdom generously without reproach. But have you been keeping the fear of the Lord? Because when you do, you will be able to discern the wisdom, discern the understanding, discern the revelation that God gives you and act on it, and you will leave a lasting impact in your community, in your world. And here's the thing. It says in James, receive the God's gift of wisdom in faith. Now, if we truly believe that God gives us every good and every perfect gift, don't be double-minded. Don't doubt that God might not give it to you. Don't. Doubting God is actually a reflection of our instability, right? It says here, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all His ways. It is not a reflection of God. So step out in faith and trust God's goodness. Friends, you may have gone through so many situations and you're like, no, I really need God's wisdom here. I really need God's wisdom in this or that. Ask God in faith and God will give it to you. But remember, keep the fear of the Lord because when you do, you will be able to discern the wisdom when God gives it. Second one is this. What else has God given us? Gracious provision. You know, we, we see a lot of talk here in, in, in one paragraph about the lowly brother boasting in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. And I'll use humiliation in inverted commas because I don't think James was using the word humiliation like how we use it today, like he's been humiliated, right? He's been laughed at or mocked at or he's, he's been humiliated. But the Greek understanding is to say that he has been brought low. Right? That's, that's, an under, that's an acceptable understanding of what humiliation is. That means you've been brought low. But not in a bad sense. Because we're not talking about wealth and riches as much as we're talking about what that wealth had led to. Boasting. And that's the word that comes out here in, in, in verse 9. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. If I par- were to paraphrase it, the word boasting is the rich boasting in his humiliation. Lowly brother boasts in exaltation, rich brother boasts in humiliation. And that sounds, now it sounds a bit more funny, right? But James says, if you want to boast, if you want to boast, boast that it is God who by His grace has lifted and exalted the lowly. Why? He provides graciously for their every need. I'm a testament to what God has done in our lives this year, despite all that has taken place, God has, well, I may not be lowly, but God has graciously provided for every need. And so I boast in the fact that God has graciously provided and has lifted us up so that we do not despair, so that we are not anxious. But what about the rich? 
the rich can boast that it is by God who, by His grace, has given wealth. Not of His own merit, not of His own. And it says in James, pursuits. Because if you do this by your own pursuits, you will fade. But if you acknowledge God and you exalt the Lord and you boast in the fact that God has graciously provided for you, that's a very humbling thought. That is me being brought low because I realize that all that God has given me, and I know that there's some of you here, God has really, really blessed you despite the situation that many of us were facing, especially financially, that God, what God has given you is really an act of grace for you. And we boast not that we have a lot, not that we have achieved, not that we've done so much, but that God has been gracious to us. Let the lowly brother boast in God's grace in exalting and lifting him up. Let the rich boast in God's gracious provision, what God has given him, not of his own merit. Gracious provision. The third one is this, steadfastness. It's also understood as patience or perseverance or, or endurance. It's a powerful thing. See, the ability to withstand trials and difficulties that come our way, whatever it is, financial, emotional, physical, or even the temptation to sin, which James talks about as well, that we will not buckle right under the immensity of all those trials, that is something we definitely cannot do by our own strength. The ability to endure by your own strength all that the enemy has thrown at us or all that the world and the situations and circumstances have thrown at us, that's not something we can do by our strength. That's because God has given us steadfastness. God has given us patience. And so the difficulties that you're going through, and I know some of you would have testimony of this, right? When people look at you and you go, wow, oh, my difficulties are so tough. But I look at you and you're smiling. You have a certain kind of joy inside of you, and I'll talk about joy later, but you have a certain kind of joy inside of you that I, I don't, doesn't sound insane, but it's real, it's true. And I, I see you enduring and being patient through all the difficulties that we're going through. You carry a certain kind of character inside of you that's, that I want, that is different. That's because God has given it to us. God has enabled us to learn to be patient and persevering. And some of you, you know that you've lost your patience at times. And you're like, God, if that's what you're giving, give it to me, Lord. Ask of it in faith. Ask of it in, in, in belief that God gives us every good and perfect gift. Because in James, this is what God gives us. Fourth, joy. Oh, if there was one thing many of us need this year, it's joy. Right? I was just sharing just now, if you carry joy, people will look at you and go, I want your joy. I want the, the happiness that you have inside of you despite the circumstances. And so we come to God, and if joy is a gift of God, we come to God and ask the joy giver. Right? God, give me joy. You know, it says in, in the first verse, or in verse, chapter, verse 2, right? It says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Right? It almost sounds like a madman whose happiness is a delusion. But it's not. It's real joy. Because when your joy is rooted in the steadfastness that God is developing inside of you as you go through these trials, you're looking at joy in the outcome, the eventual outcome of what God is doing inside of you, and you're saying, God is doing something amazing in me, molding me, making me perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Oh, I will count it all joy that I'm going through all of this. 
And when you count it all joy, people are going to see and know and realize this guy knows that his world doesn't revolve around the difficulties. It doesn't revolve around the worldly things. But that he knows that his heart is being molded and developed because he is going to be a person that God wants him to be through these trials. And that's why he carries joy. You know, I am joyful because with God, I can overcome. I lift up my eyes, and this is a psalm that I used to learn when I was a kid, and I used to memorize it. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's why I can be joyful. That's why I don't have to fear. I don't have to be anxious. That's why I can be joyful. The last one that James talks about here. Blessed is the man, verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. I think that's just a description. I don't think you actually get a crown. Because you've got to understand, James was talking to Jewish believers. They look at crown in terms of authority and kingship. They don't look at crown in terms of um, uh, winning a medal, you know, a success in a race, that kind of crown that the Greeks refer it to. It speaks about authority and kingship. But, but the other thing is that this is a crown of life. You don't wear life on your head. You wear life as it is given to you. You have life, the abundant, eternal, wonderful life, because you've overcome. You've overcome, and, and so God gives you this life that allows you to be a blessing to so many people. And it's not abundant life or eternal life in, in heaven. It is now. It is on earth. It is here and now. As you overcome these trials, as you build that steadfastness in you, you get life, life through Jesus Christ. You know, I've listed down these five things in, in a particular order, not, not specifically the way James wrote it down, but the order starts from the state we begin with, sinners in need of God's grace and receiving God's grace and His gracious gifts, His generosity to us. And as we grow, we grow to completion and perfection abundant life. God has given us many things. I'm just talking about five here. But God, throughout the Word, gives us so many good things, so many good and perfect gifts, so many promises, so many blessings. And, and I would just encourage you, right, just, just look at what God has given us just in James chapter 1, verse 2 to 18. And these five would transform your life entirely on its own. But God is more than that. He's more generous than we can ever imagine. He's got so much good and perfect gifts that He would input into our lives. Why? So that we become perfect and complete, not lacking in anything. So that we carry a reflection of our Lord Jesus Christ wherever we go, whatever we do. The kind of joy, the kind of patience that you look at your life and you go, I don't have that right now. Ask of God because that's what He wants to give you. The kind of wisdom for you to say the right things at the right time, even though no one else has ever thought of that. And, and you speak with words of wisdom to the people around you, whether they be pagan kings or just your friends and your classmates. God wants to speak into their lives through you. He will give you wisdom. All you've got to do is ask. And God generously gives it as you keep the fear of the Lord. Input. What has God given us? Output. Output. How do we le then live through these trials? The whole letter of James actually has a lot to say about the way in which we live out our lives. In fact, a lot of these passages here are famous, like taming the tongue or resist the devil and he will flee from you. All come from this passage. All come, sorry, all come from this letter. But just from this passage alone, two things. Two things. First of all, it's to restore and renew 
your perspective of God. I think James was very keen to deal with this because he says here in verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted that God is tempting me or I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And there was an understanding of God that was wrong, an understanding of God that James was going to deal with. And he says, this has got to be addressed. And when he addresses these things, he is saying, we've got to restore and renew our perspective of God. Whatever it is that you have had an image of God of, whatever you have an understanding of God of, and as you read the Word, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and say, no, this is actually who God is. If we can say with our mouths that God is our Father, but then cannot quite understand that every good and perfect gift comes from this Father because our own earthly fathers don't always give us every good and perfect gift, then God is saying, restore and renew your perspective of me. Restore and renew. Come back to the Word of God because the the Word of God shows us who God is. And let the Holy Spirit begin to open your minds to the Word of God and what it says there should show us who God is. You know, one of the things that has really marked my understanding of God this year is the idea that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. You know, how does kindness lead us to repentance? Isn't it fear that leads us to repentance? And and the answer really is no. The reason why is this. My kids love watching cartoons of Bible characters, right? Feel free to message me or PM me if you want to find out what they've been watching. But one of the Bible characters that they've been watching is a story, the story of a man named Jonah. And you know the story. Four chapters, a book entirely on its own of a story of a man who was called by God to bring the, the, the Word of God to a pagan, violent nation. And, and as I'm reading this, right, it makes, it's very easy to assume that the Assyrians repented because God was saying, I will judge, I will judge, I will judge, you will all be wiped out in, in, in 40 days, whatever it is. And, and, and it was very easy to assume that the Assyrians, because of that fear, they said, okay, let's repent. But here's the thing. What I think Jonah shows us, or the book of Jonah shows us, is that it was his kindness, his mercy, that led the Assyrians to repent. Because here's the thing, why would God send a prophet from an enemy land to go to Nineveh and tell them, God is going to judge you? Why would God take the time to call this man, save him from, uh, from turning away from him and, and get the fish to vomit him out, just to bring him to a country and then tell them that I will judge this land? Why would God do that? Because Jonah himself argued and said, God, you're going to do it yourself, ah. I mean, these guys don't need mercy, just go and judge them. Here's the thing. God was showing the Assyrians mercy. We also know this. When, when Nineveh was rest- or preserved, when, when, when judgment didn't come, God said, shouldn't I have pity? God told, telling Jonah, shouldn't I have pity on these people? Shouldn't I be compassionate for these people? And that's what pity, the word pity there refers to. Shouldn't I be compassionate for these people? Friends, this is just an example, but God is going to restore and renew His perspective, your perspective of Him in your lives. As you read the Word of God, as you meditate on who God is, as you live out your lives and you see the goodness of God over your lives, God is going to restore and renew your perspective of Him. Your understanding, your knowledge, your view of who God is will become refined and better and stronger and more powerful. And that's what you're going to reflect 
because you know that this is who God is. And you're going to reflect that to the people around you and they're going to see that output and be blessed. The second one that James talks about is this, resist. Resist the lows of your evil desires. The positive version of this, you know, resist is negative, the positive version is found in James chapter 4, verse 7 to 10, where James then talks about submitting to God, resisting the devil, drawing near to God, repent and humble yourselves. No, if, one, if there's one thing that 2020 has shown us, is that if we are to be a light in the darkness and a beacon for those who are going through trials, it starts with coming back to the Father, the Father of lights, who gives us every good and perfect gift, who loves us and cares for us and desires the best in us, reflected in us. It is the Father. It is coming back to Him, restoring our relationship, our understanding of God, prying ourselves away from fleshly desires and coming to know God. Not just knowing Him more, and knowing Him rightly. That's what God wants to do with our perspective of Him. Friends, if I were to encapsulate everything, James doesn't say this very specifically in this particular passage, although he mentions it in the rest of his letter. But throughout Scripture, God's greatest input, His greatest input into our lives, His greatest gift for us as believers is the Holy Spirit. Technically Himself, but in the, whole, in the form of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's God's greatest input. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, right at the start, when God created man from dust, he breathed into his nostrils and gave him life, the breath of life. The man became a living creature. It became the crowning glory of his creation because after that, Scripture says that God looked at everything that he had made and it was very good. This was like, this is the masterpiece of all of his creation. Friends, that breath of life today is the Holy Spirit that breath of life that gives us, physically, we're, we're as human as any other human being. But when we have the Holy Spirit with us, we have more than just that physical life. God has breathed on us His Spirit, and now, and, and, he, and he breathed it on them when the disciples after He had resurrected. In fact, it says in John chapter 20, verse 21 to 22, He says, Jesus said to them, and this is after the resurrection, peace be with you. And then He says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said, said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The same in Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down and they knew what it meant to have the power of the Holy Spirit to become witnesses of God. Today, God has breathed His Holy Spirit into our lives, into each and every one of us. What's the output? What's the output? The output is this. First of all, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, essentially the fruit of having the Spirit live in us. The fruit of having the Spirit inside of us. You know this in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You want to talk about joy as God's input to us? It's here because of the Holy Spirit. You want to talk about patience and steadfastness? It's here because of the Holy Spirit. Some of you might wonder, isn't steadfastness and joy something I develop? And it's not really, you know, a gift, gift like, you know, God plonks it to you. Here's the thing. I really believe this is a gift of God because everybody can go through the same trials and difficulties and temptations and come out differently. Many people come out angry. Many people come out resentful. Many people come out very inward focused. I'm just going to focus on myself and, and that's it. I'm not going to deal with the rest of this world. Or some people come out proud. They come out proud saying, I've overcome! 
I've done this. I'm successful. I will now be the best at what I am and I will be, you know, the greatest. And then they fall into pride. But that's not what God gave us. God gave us joy. God gave us patience and endurance and steadfastness so that when we come out through those trials, we don't become proud or inward-focused or angry or resentful. We come out with we come out carrying light to the world around us. So to be joyful or patient is really a gift of God. The second one is this. God has given us His Spirit so that we become obedient to the purpose and vision as God's first fruits. People who carry the image of God, ambassadors of God to our world. Friends, as you and I, even as the, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. Therefore, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. That's God's input to us. And our output, obedience and walking in the light that God has given us, in the direction and the purpose and the vision that God has given us to carry his image of God to our world. Friends, how do we leave a lasting impact? God's saying, I've given you these things. Ask of it, and I'll give it to you. You are more, I give it to you. I'm generous. I give you my Holy Spirit and so that you can carry all of these gifts inside of you, all of this fruit inside of you. But I'm not doing this just to, you know, build you up. I'm using this because your output then is to the rest of this world. Whatever 2020 looks like at the end of this year, whatever 2021 looks like in the years to come and the years to come, this is what we give because God has given us. His input to us, our output to the world. So friends, with what God has given us, let us reflect Christ. Let us reflect Christ in our world. You know, this Christmas, I think this Christmas is very special to all of us just because we've gone through 2020. And at the end of this year, we still declare the goodness of God, the love of God over our lives as, a, as individuals, as a family, as a nation. Friends, this Christmas, think of what God has given you. And then especially this Christmas, output, output. Bless others. Bless others with joy. Bless others with patience. Bless others with, with wisdom. Bless others with the love of God. Because God has given so much to us, we can bless. We can, we can, we, we can really lift up that lowly brother. We can really bring God's goodness to so many people. Let's praise and honour God with our lives, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Just spend this moment in, in awe of our Lord. This is a God who is the Father of lights, creator of everything. He said, let there be light and it came to be. This is the God we worship. This is a God who then created us so that we carry His image to our world. Father, we just want to commit ourselves to you. We stand in awe of you, Lord. The Father of lights, you never change and you give every good and perfect gift, whether it is wisdom, whether it's joy, it's steadfastness, your provision, the crown of life and the many things that you speak of as your promises and your gifts in Scripture. God, we receive we're amazed at your love. We're amazed at your generosity, God. 
So Lord, we want to carry that image out. We want to carry that image and leave a lasting impact in our communities, leave a lasting impact in our homes, leave a lasting impact in our nation, one that where people see what we've done and what we've said and what we've thought about and how we've carried ourselves and you say, this is God working in His life. I want your Jesus. I want the Holy Spirit that you carry. I want the life that you have. I want the joy and the endurance that you have. And Lord, this Christmas, we say there is hope. This Christmas, Father, we believe that many will come and see you, Lord Jesus, through us and even as you reveal yourself to them. And so, Lord, may our output, God, as a church, be great and powerful and impactful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just give God some glory wherever you are at. Maybe just you, but just clap your hands. Give God the glory. Praise God. Hallelujah. Church, it's been an honor. We wish you a wonderful time this end of this year. And, and we'll see you at Christmas. Or we'll see you next weekend and then for Christmas. God bless you. Have a great week ahead.